I am very excited about what we're going to be talking about this weekend, and I hope you are as well. If you missed last weekend, you can go online and watch the video. We've got it there, or you can uh, get a CD from the Resource Center if you want and play it and listen to it, because uh, we are in a series called GPS, How to Navigate the Bible. And last weekend, uh, we said that one of the reasons why a lot of people struggle to read and study God's Word, especially younger generation, is because of how we approach the Bible. And what I meant by that is we have a tendency to look at it as a text, when in reality the Bible was written to us as a story. We tend to look at it as something to analyze and pull apart and outline and get down, you know, into the nitty-gritty of it. And that's not the way that you read and you understand a story. And so I said that this weekend, we are going to talk about how to immerse ourselves in the great story of the Bible. Now, when I say story, don't misunderstand that. I'm not talking about fiction, something that's fake, all right? I'm talking about truth. The Bible is God's true, inspired, infallible, authoritative story that we can put our complete trust and our complete faith in. No question about that. But we have a tendency sometimes to think of it as God's story about Abraham or God's story about Peter or Paul or some other historical person in the Bible. And while it's true, the Bible has all kinds of stories of how God dealt with different men and different women, the reality is what makes the Bible so unique and special to us, what can allow us to get excited about it, is that the Bible is also a story about you and about me. From Genesis to Revelation, in every story, we are pictured, we are present. And that's what can make the Word of God become so passionate, so exciting, something you look forward to wanting to know and study when you realize it's as much a story about God and you as it is God and Moses or God and Deborah or God and anybody else. But the question is, how do we get into the story? How do we immerse ourselves into the story so that we really, we really see ourselves and we really hear God speaking to us? Well, if you have the navigator with you this weekend, you should have received it as you came in. I want you to pull it out because I kind of outlined this really carefully so that uh, you can actually use this. Because we're going to give you a 30-day challenge here in a little while. And I want you to kind of have the notes that are there. So take your navigator out and uh, be ready to look through this with me. And I want to start out by talking about how do we get the most out of God's story for us. In order to do that, you have to go into the stories or the story with what I say is your eyes wide open. You say, what do you mean I've got to go into the story with my eyes wide open? In other words, what I'm saying is we've got to jump into the Word of God. We've got to get into the stories of the Bible with our whole being. And when I was thinking about that, Psalm 103 uh, came my way, verses 1 through 2. Listen to what it says. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am 
praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And so David is talking there about worship. And he says, I just, I want to worship God with my whole being, all that I am. And one of the ways that we worship God is to immerse ourselves into his holy word, to take his holy word seriously, to live out his holy word in our lives. So in other words, if I'm really going to be worshiping God, I need to throw my whole self into his story, into his word to me, to us. And when I think of our whole self or my whole self, I think of our six senses. You say, ah, you got a typo. There's not six senses, there's five, and we talk of a sixth sense. Well, not in my way of doing things, all right? There are six senses. Let me tell you what I mean. Very simple, very easy, and uh, uh, let's just walk through them, all right? We should all have this figured out in our, in our own minds, right? So one sense is sight, all right? We all see, all right? That's one sense that we have. Another sense is that we all, what, taste, all right, and you know, these hot summers, there's nothing like tasting ice cream, right? Wow. Any ice cream lovers here at 111th? Okay, I just, just thought you'd get a little excited about that. Sorry, okay. All right, there's the sense of smell. One, two, three, everybody take a whiff. Ready? One, two, three. Ah, so we smell, all right? We see, we taste, we smell, we touch, all right? We touch, so we, we see, we taste, we smell, we touch, and we hear or we listen, Right? And then there's one more sense when it comes to understanding, storying, and that is speaking. You say, well, I don't think speaking is a sense. Yes, it is. It is in in terms of storytelling. Because when you tell a story, okay, it affects all the rest of your senses. When you tell a story, when you're excited to tell somebody what just happened to you at work or on the way home or at school or something funny that happened, or something exciting that took places that took place. You can't wait to tell that story. And as you tell that story, your whole being gets engaged in that. And it actually does something. You, you become excited, you become animated, you start getting pulled into your own story as well. So how do we immerse ourselves? How do we use these six senses that I call them? How do we use them in really getting into God's word and letting God's word getting in, uh, get into us? How do we become part of the story and how does the story become a part of us? Now right away, the first thing I want to talk about just very briefly is the issue of quantity and quality. Okay, There are some ways of, of approaching God's word that are about quantity. And that is, for instance, programs that help you read through the Bible in a year. And I'm not against that. I promote it. I encourage journaling through the Bible in a year. I have nothing wrong with that. All right? But when we talk about story as the way we're going to be doing that, it is more about quality and less about quantity. And what I mean by that is this. I don't want you to rush yourself through the stories of the Bible. What I'm going to show you is something that actually you'll do a story a week. So you're really going to soak yourself in the stories of the Bible. That way they have a chance to get into you. And they will carry with you then far more meaning than when you're just trying to march through the scripture in order to get to the end. All right. So 
It's okay to relax, especially those of you who are type A's like me. You don't have to get through the whole Bible if you choose this method. It's just a different approach. It's more focused on the quality, less focused on the quantity. But you still get just as big a bang for the buck, so to speak. All right? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get into the story? And how are we going to get the story into us? Well, just really simple. I want you to follow the outline with me. And I'm going to walk us through it. Going to use an actual story uh, to kind of give you an example this weekend. But the first thing that you have to do is you got to choose one of the Gospels. That's where we're going to start. You can choose other books of the Bible. But to get us going, I just want you to think of one of the Gospels. Now, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation, right? I just want to make sure you were there with me, okay? Of course not. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, all right? Now, Uh, No, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all right? You can choose whatever one that you want. I've chosen Luke. That's what I'm going to be doing the next 30 days. And I would encourage you possibly to choose Luke as well. You don't have to, but choose a gospel. Now, the week before you start, the week before you start getting into stories, here's your assignment. I want you to actually read the entire gospel that you choose. So if I choose Luke, then I'm going to read the entire gospel of Luke the week before I start. Now that might mean I read a certain amount of chapters each day and finish it by the end of the week. Or if you love to read, uh, it might mean that you just sit down and read the whole thing through at a certain time. If you could do it a couple of different times in a couple of different translations, that would be awesome, all right? But I want you to at least read it through once. You say, why do I have to read through the whole gospel? Well, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, are one big story, okay, of how God created us, how we messed up, how God came to save us, and the promise that he's coming again someday in between time we're witnessing what he's done for us to the world. But each book of the Bible is a story within the big story, And within each book of the Bible are many little stories that comprise that book. So the more you know the the bigger scope of that book you're reading, the better you're going to appreciate each of the stories that are told. The more sense it's going to make to you as a result of that. So you choose a gospel that you're going to read all the way through. Now here's what you do next. Select and read one story through three times and activate all your senses. Read from within the story instead of observing the story. All right? So take your Bibles, and I'm going to give you an example, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament, chapter 5. And uh, if you have the uh, don't have a Bible, use the one that is there in the chair pocket ahead of you or beside you, or under you someplace, or share with somebody next to you, or offer to buy their Bible right now, whatever it takes, all right? Luke chapter 5, and I don't have the time to do this uh, this weekend, but if I did, what I would say to you is we would read through uh, one of these stories. You would start at the beginning of the gospel. I'm going to start in chapter 5, but just choose the very first story you come across. You can see it by paragraph divisions, all right? And, and you're going to read it three times. Now, I'm going to show you afterwards how to break this up during the week. So you, I don't want you doing this all at once. 
But I might take Monday, for instance, and on Monday I would read it once in the morning, that story, and then maybe in the afternoon my lunch break, and then in the evening I would do it, kind of separate, get my space out there, and I'm going to read the story with my senses. Now, the story I've chosen is Luke chapter 5, and the story starts in verse 1, and it ends in verse 11. I'm reading this to myself, okay? Or maybe I'm listening to it in my car, but I'm going to put myself in a story. Now, watch how you do that, okay? Let's say I'm just reading this to myself. I'm, I'm, I'm silent someplace. I'm just looking at it. Here's how I put my senses in it. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, man, my senses are already activated. Can you hear the waves coming in against the shore? All right. Can you uh, imagine Jesus standing there next to the water? Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Were they touching him? Was the, were, were some of them kind of getting close to him and rubbing him? I can, I can sense that. You know, where would I be at that point if I were in this story? Take a whiff. What do you smell? Do you smell the, the water? Do you, do you smell the people? What do you hear? I hear kids. Do you hear kids kind of screaming and hollering and laughing? Or is it silent to you? Do you just hear the waves and, and maybe a few birds and the, and the voice of Jesus? Do you see how you're activating your senses? He noticed the empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. I can see the fishermen washing those nets. I can see the boats that are mostly on the shore, a little bit still in the water. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Man, I, I see a lot there. I see Jesus getting in that boat. It's rocking a little bit. And I see Peter grunting and trying to push it out in the water. And he, he finally gets it out in the water. And then he hops in the boat. And I, I see him paddling it. I listen to that. I look at it, the crowd. And, and, and I'm imagining them watching what is going on. What is he up to? What is he doing? I hear maybe some murmuring, some questions, some excitement that's taking place. Let's keep reading here. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And so I, I see, you know, Peter grabbing the oar. and He's got to try to get the, the boat out a little deeper. I watch the crowds kind of dissipating and others still watching what on earth is going on right now. And I hear some of the noises taking place. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say their nets, if you tell us that their nets were, let me try this one more time. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I see an expression on Peter's face like, been here, done this already, but okay, you're the boss. You want me to do this? Okay, I'll, I'll try it again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. I see excitement on Peter's face and and maybe some others who were with him there trying to pull these nets in. They never had a catch like that before. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Man, I see 
Peter and James and John, they got their boats together trying to pull all this stuff in. They're full of excitement. I see people on the shore going, wow, look what's taking place here. I see kids jumping up and down, excited. I see water. I feel water splashing all over the place because, you know, they got this big haul of fish. I taste some of that water in my mouth because it's such, you know, it's such a ruckus and such a mess. There's just things flying everywhere. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Man, I see Peter sinking down. And I see him doing that in the midst of all the slimy, sloppy, flopping fishes. And I feel the goo and the ooh of the fish all over my skin as I'm doing that. If I'm Peter, I'm watching everybody kind of watch what's going on. What's he doing now? You just never know what's going to come out of Peter's mouth, what he's going to do next. He says, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. I see shocked looks on everybody's faces. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And I see a dumbfounded look on Peter's face. Kind of a, what? Wow, look on his face. And as soon as they landed... They left everything and followed him. And I just see them just walking out of their boats. I hear, I hear the paddles being thrown down. I hear the nets being left on the shore. I watch people watching this little parade of Jesus and his new followers kind of walking off in the distance. I put myself into the story. I've now lived that story because I didn't just read right through it really fast to get through it. But I actually became a part of it. I feel like I've been there. I feel like I've gone through experience because as I read, I took the time to visualize it. I took the time to listen to it. I took the time to let it touch me. I took the time to smell the smells that were there. I immersed myself in it. And that's what I want you to do at least three times when you read that text. Now, here's what I want you to do next after you do that on the next day. I want you to read your story out loud three times. You can do it morning, noon, night, however you want to split it up. And I want you to read it out loud with all your senses activated. I want you to read it out loud in a dramatic way, okay? Which means that you probably got to hide someplace, all right? You know, find seclusion. Just get alone someplace. I want you to read that thing out loud, and I want you to enjoy it. Let me give an example of how I might do something like that. Here we go. Ready? By the way, you can use accents if you want. Accent the characters. Make this a drama. Have fun with it. Stories are meant to be fun. Here we go. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, I want you to go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. (laughs) Master! Simon replied, (laughs) we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. 
And this time their nets went so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats are filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees for Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, "Ah, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. See, have fun with that text, and it comes to life for you, right? Because these are real people. It's a real story. You can't just see it sitting there in print. you got to lift it off the passage and, and enjoy it, all right? For some of you, it's going to feel really weird to do that the first few times. But when you're done, you're going to be kind of liberated by it. You're going to be excited about it. And if you're doing this with your family... If you're doing this with your spouse, you're doing this with a friend, right? It, it builds the excitement as well. Because here's the next thing that I'm going to ask you to do with this, all right? Now I want you to tell your story three times without looking at the text on the next day. Now you're going to tell the story. Because the power of a story is in telling the story as much as it is in reading the story or even listening the story. So has some dramatic license when you tell a story. One day, Jesus was standing at the edge of the shore teaching the people. He could feel the waves licking his heels. And they were pressing in on him. It looked like they were going to push him right into the water. He happened to look over to his right. And he saw a couple of boats Mostly on the land, but somewhat in the water. One of them belonged to Simon. So he went over there and he said to Simon, Do you mind if I use your boat? Simon said, Sure. And Simon let Jesus get in the boat, and then he ah, pushed that boat into the water. And Jesus, well, he sat down in the boat and he began to teach the people. I imagine Peter must have stayed in the boat. Must have sat there and must have been listening himself, but must have also been pondering, what do I make of this guy? As soon as Jesus was done teaching, he said to Simon, he said, "Um, let's go into deeper water. Which kind of irritated Peter just a little bit because Peter had been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. And by the way, that's when you catch fish in the Sea of Galilee is at night. You don't catch them in the deep, you catch them in the shallows where the bait fish are, but... Okay, Jesus, if you want me to go deeper, embarrass everybody, I'll do it. And so Peter rode in deeper to the water. And Jesus said, let your nets down. And so Peter let the nets down. And all of a sudden, a whole school of fish came rushing into those nets. They had never been so full, that full in their life. And I'm telling you what, Peter began trying to pull them in. And the nets were tearing. He called out to his friends, John and James, get the boat on, get out here, help me out. They came out with their boats. They're all dragging them in. And by now, the boats are nearly swamped with all the fish, the flippy, floppy, slimy fish in the boat. Peter just whoa, falls down in this whole mess. He doesn't care. And he says, Lord, you got to get away from me. I am too much a sinner for you. See, Peter was absolutely amazed, absolutely amazed at the haul of fish that Jesus, the carpenter, brought into 
that boat. But you know what? Jesus just looked at Peter and smiled, and he said, hey, time to stop fishing for fish. Start fishing for men. Follow me. Okay? Something happens when you tell the story, right? Something happens when you tell a story. You do not have to be a great storyteller, please. You do not have to be. Listen to me. Everybody here is a great storyteller because you tell stories all day long. You do. You tell them to your friends, your coworkers. You tell them all the time. You just don't realize you're doing it. Almost everything we talk about comes out in some kind of a story, right? Doesn't it? And you're good at it, all right? So don't think you can't do that. You've just got to now make this your story. And I'm telling you what, now you're really getting immersed in that text, and that text is getting immersed in you. But here comes the fun part, all right? Here comes the challenging part. Now, on the next day, I want you to find an audience to listen to your story and tell them. Now, if you're married, you and your spouse take turns. If you're doing this as a family, I hope you will. Then, you know, on that night, everybody's going to take turns around the dinner table or in the den or wherever it happens to be, and everybody's going to tell their story. Nobody's going to correct anybody. Nobody's going to critique anybody. We're not going to hold up numbers. Ten, four, all right? It's nothing like that, okay? Not about that. It's just having fun with the story, letting everybody tell a story. Because when you have an audience listening to you and to your story, it changes you. And it changes them. And there are three questions at the end of your story that you're going to ask them. Question number one, who was the story, uh, who do you think the story was about? Question number two, what happened to the main character in the story? Question number three, how did that person change? Just three really simple questions that you will tell, that you will share with that person, okay? You can do this. It's not that hard. And you'll be amazed at the discussion that will begin to be awakened as you do this. See, what's going to happen if you practice this is you're going to end up with a repertoire of stories that fit all kinds of situations and circumstances. And you're all of a sudden going to be able to talk to all kinds of people in different circumstances, situations, much like the ones in these gospel stories that you've learned. And you'll be able to sit down and say, well, do you mind if I just tell you a story? People love to hear stories. And as one expert has said, he who tells the best story wins. Aristotle said, you know a society has become decadent Because all its stories have gone bad. There are a lot of bad stories in our culture today. Bad stories in the movies, bad stories in novels, bad stories in books. There's a lot of bad stories out there. We need to get out there and tell the good stories, right? The good news. Because that's what changes people. And those stories are there for us to tell. And people love to hear stories. So you say, well, you mind if I tell you a story? You'll suck them in. You say, Pastor, I just can't. I, I can read a story, but I, I don't know if I could ever really tell a story. You know, a lot of people come up to me sometimes saying, you must have a phenomenal memory because you get up there and you preach without notes. I don't have a phenomenal memory. Actually, I really don't. I sometimes cannot remember my own kids' names. <laughs> right? But let me show you a trick 
that I use that helps me a lot. You know, I like to draw stick men. There's a reason for that. Oftentimes, I will diagram a story and, uh, or my sermons before I will actually speak them. It, for whatever reason, and this may not work in your mind this way, but it works really well in my mind, I'll think about the story. And I'll think, well, there's a shoreline here. There's all these people that are standing out here. And Jesus is right here. And they're all pushing in on him. And then he sees that there's a boat out here. I'm a horrible artist, you know that. And he goes over there and he says, can I borrow the boat? Peter gets in the boat and they push it out. And they take the boat and they're out here in the water, Right? And Jesus is speaking to the people. When he's done speaking, he says to Peter, can we even go out a little bit deeper? So now Peter has the boat out a little bit deeper here. Big boat now, all right? And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. He casts his net on the other side. But he's kind of, you know, thinking they're not going to catch many fish because he knows that all the fish are over here by the shore. This is where the fish hang out, not out here. But as soon as Jesus says, cast your net over, man, all those fish, they make a mad rush into the net because Jesus is in control of everything. Now the boats are full. He's got to call his friends in. They bring the boats. They come over here. Now they bring all the fish in. And Jesus says, now, I want you to do the same thing again. But instead of capturing these fish, I want you to go capture those people. Do you see how even sketching a story, I've already begun to understand the story better? And it gives me a picture. I'm a very simple mind. If I have pictures, I can remember things. Stories help you remember things. So you can try that trick if you want to. It gets you even further into the story. Now your hand is involved in the story. And something happens in the hand. When you start to draw, it makes its way to the heart and to the brain. I kid you not. God has made the body a truly wonderful thing. But now let's talk about how you analyze the story. I like referring it to how do you poke the story? How, how do you get more out of the story? How do you go deeper in the story? So you're not just telling the story. So you have some meaning and understanding behind it. And let me give you some suggestions here, right? First question to ask is, who was the story about? Every good story has a character in it. You don't have a character, you don't have much of a story. Well, this story, I think, all right, is about Peter. And in any good story, the main character is going to undergo a change whether they want to or not. What is it that causes a change to take place? Second question. What conflict incited the change? Sometimes it's an internal conflict, an internal change. Sometimes it's an external conflict, an external change that takes place. Well, Jesus is the one who incites the conflict in Peter's life. Peter is a fisherman. He knows how to catch fish. Before Luke chapter 5 and John chapter 1, Peter had already met Jesus. And Jesus is already making invitations to come and follow him. But Peter and the others are still stuck. Do I leave my fishing business to go follow this young rabbi for the rest of my life? That's a huge decision. Do I, turn, do I get out of my boat and leave it all behind and go and follow him? It's a real, it's a real conflict in Peter's spirit. You ever notice that God brings conflict in your life? Because that's the only way he can get you to change. And what's really weird is when you have conflict, you want what? You want change. You want resolution. Abraham's just minding his business. And God shows up and says, leave where you are and go to a place you've never been before. Moses just trying to watch some sheep out in the wilderness. And he gets a burning bush. And when you go lead a whole nation, David's just watching his daddy's sheep and he becomes the king. 
Paul's on his way to arrest a bunch of you know, Christians, and he becomes one of the greatest missionaries. Look at the characters in the Bible. You know, poor Mary living in Nazareth. You know, she just wants to get married to Joseph, have a simple little family, and an angel shows up and says, by the way, God is going to get you pregnant by a miracle. I mean, every time God enters into our lives, it creates a conflict within or a conflict without. Why does he do that to us? To move us along. Right? To move us along. Which brings us then to the next question. What is the objective? You know, what what is it that Peter wants? What is it that God wants in Peter's life? Well, I think the objective is to get Peter to leave his fishing business for fish. And the objective is to get him to start fishing for people. That, Jesus knows, is when Peter will be most fulfilled. Peter hasn't experienced it yet. Number four, I like this. like this terminology. What is the knockout punch? Why do people, who, how many of you like boxing or UFC kind of stuff? Let's see your hands. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. All right? All right? You've got some women raising their hands. I like that. Okay? Um, why do we like to watch that kind of stuff? Why do you go and watch a boxing match? Why do you watch UFC on, on television? Why do you do that? Because you want to see a knockout. I do anyway. I don't want to watch a draw. Or a decision by one point. I want to see somebody get clobbered, don't you? Some of you are like, wow, this guy's gone way too far. Okay, all right. So when you watch HGTV, all right, what is it you really want? I'm just kidding, okay, all right? All right. But we want to see a knockout punch. We want to see, we want to see something resolved. And every story has a moment when the conflict is at its height. And there has to be a resolution. We can't take it anymore. When, where's the knockout punch in this story, Luke chapter 5? It's when Peter finally falls on his knees and realizes that, you know what? Jesus is as good a fisherman as he is. And he's worth following. If he can bring all those fish into the net, and he's a carpenter, imagine what he can do in the world. That's the, in that story, that's the climactic moment. That's the moment of decision when Peter decides at Jesus' invitation to leave everything and start following him. That's the moment of resolution. Now, last question I have to answer is, what is God saying to me in this story? And how is this story about me? How many of you have ever been in the boat and you know God wants you to do something, but you're not sure you want to leave your boat? Anybody beside me? Not sure I want to start this relationship. Not sure I want to, I want to go and witness this person. Not sure I want to uh, use my money this way. Not sure this is the right move to make in my business or, you know, uh, uh, move geographically. or Whatever it is. But you feel God saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you keep waiting and waiting. And finally you get to that moment and you go, I just need to trust Jesus and leave it behind. And God comes to us every day, doesn't he, in our lives and asks us to trust him. And the question is, will we get out of our boat? I'm in the boat as much as Peter's in the boat. You're in the boat as much as Peter in the boat. Will you leave your boat and trust him and follow him? That story is just as much about you as it is about me or about Peter or about anybody else. Now that story's alive in you, isn't it? Now you're part of the story and the story is part of you. Now all of a sudden God's word is speaking and now is he speaking, but now I can take God's word and I can speak God's word as well. I want you to try it. I want you to try this for 30 days. And the issue isn't how many stories you get through. 
This year, you work through one story each week, all right? So, for instance, I laid out a schedule for you. Monday, read to yourself three times the story. Tuesday, read to yourself out loud three times. Wednesday, tell your story three times. Thursday, find an audience and tell your story. Friday, soak. What's that mean? It means just let the story be in you. You You're not going to tell it. You're not going to read it. Just let it soak in your mind, your imagination, your heart. Saturday, maybe that's the day you sit down and analyze and get even more out of it as a result. You've just now spent about seven, six days in the story, and I believe the story has now gotten into you. So that's the challenge, and here's what we want to do, okay? Next fall, I don't know when yet, we're going to pick a date, we're going to have the first, I hope, annual Compass Story Fest. And we're going to give you a chance to come up here, all right, and tell your favorite story. We're not going to rate you, all right? We're not going to boo you. We might laugh with you. We might cry with you, depending on how you tell your story. But I want, you to have, I want us to tell our stories. They're the best stories in the world. And some of the stories we're actually going to feature in worship services as well. And allow you to tell those stories and allow it to bless the hearts of those who are listening. So that's kind of the incentive that's there. But I'm going to ask you to give it a try. Are you willing to do it? Will some, of you, will some of you try this? Take a shot at it? Okay. Those of you who don't, you know, say, that's not my deal. I'm not good at that. Fine. Use the study method that works best for you. Don't feel like you have to do this. This doesn't make you more spiritual. But I do think it will engage you more. If I could just say a few things to the families who are here. I think if you do this to your family, your kids, your grandkids, to where everybody's working on this, and at some point in the week, everybody comes and Tell us a story to the whole audience. I think it's going to be, I think you're going to laugh. I think you're going to be amazed. I think you're going to have fun. And I think it's going to be something that you look forward to. Because we all love stories. And the best stories always win. Amen? Would you stand with me? And uh, after we're done, if some of you would like to have prayer or Prayer partners will be here at the front, and they'd be happy to pray with you for whatever concerns that you have. But thanks for coming this weekend. Go and and start to learn and tell your stories. And let God bless you and encourage you as a result of that, all right? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the good stories of the Bible. Not fake stories, not myths but true and living stories that still speak to us today because they were meant to speak to us. They are are our stories. And Lord, as we try to learn those stories and live those stories and tell those stories, may we have the awesome privilege of not just experiencing the joy of that in our own being, but may we have the absolute joy of blessing somebody else's life with those good stories. And may we have the even greater joy of seeing those stories Change those lives. For it's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.